0: This is Chapter Five of George Hamilton's *A Voyage Round the World in His Majesty's Frigate Pandora*, read here by Roy Schreiber. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: Occurrences at Coupang, Voyage to Batavia, and etc. Arrival in England. This is the Montpellier of the East to the Dutch and Portuguese settlements in India and from the salubrity of its air is the favorite resort of valetudinarians and invalids from Batavia and other places. This island is fertile, variegated, with hill and dale, and equally beautiful as diversified with roti and its appendant islands. It is as large as the island of Great Britain. Its principal trade is wax, honey and sandalwood. But the whole of its revenues do not fray the expense of the settlement to the company. But from the locality of its situation, it is convenient for their other islands. They had the monopoly of sandalwood trade, which is used in all the temples, mosques, and places of worship in the East. Every Chinese having a sprig of it burning day and night near their household gods. The exclusive trade of sandalwood was valuable and convenient to the Dutch. But, from the vast extent of territory lately acquired in India, we have plenty of that commodity without going to the Dutch market. Close to the Dutch town is a Chinese town and temple. They have a governor of their own nation, but pay large tribute to the Dutch. Notwithstanding their trade is under very severe restrictions, they soon make rich, and as soon as they become independent return to their own country for european and indian goods the natives barter their produce and sell their prisoners of war who are carried to batavia as slaves and the natives of java sent from batavia to this place in return as they hold their tenure more from policy than strength, it would be in politic to irritate them by exposing their countrymen subjugated to the lash of slavery and oppression. An instance of the soul cooping business fell under our inspection while here. One of the petty princes, in settling his account with a merchant of this place, was some dollars short of cash. He just stepped to the door, and casting his eye on an elderly man who was near him, laid hold of him, and with the assistance of some of his miradons, gave him up as a slave, and so settled the account. We felt more interested in the fate of this poor wretch, on account of his having been a prince himself, and never before saw the face of his oppressor. He went passenger in the ship with us to Batavia. It was a pleasing and flattering sight to an Englishman at the remotest corner of the globe, to see that Wedgwood Stoneware and Birmingham Goods had found their way into the shops of Coupang. During our five-week stay here, the Governor, Mynheer Vagnon, by every act of politeness and attention, endeavoured to make us spend our time agreeably. We were sumptuously regaled at his table every day, and the evening was spent with cards and concerts. I could dwell with pleasure for an age in praise of this honest Dutchman. It is the tribute of a grateful heart and his due. This is the third time he has had an opportunity of extending his hospitality to shipwrecked Englishmen. About a fortnight before we arrived, a boat with eight men, a woman, and two children came on shore here, who told him that they were supercargo. Part of the crew and the passengers of an English brig wrecked in these seas. His house, which has ever been the asylum of dis- the distressed, was opened for their reception. They drew bills on the British government, and were supplied with every necessary they stood in need of. The captain of a Dutch East Indiaman who spoke English, hearing of the arrival of Captain Edwards and our unfortunate boat run to them with the glad tidings of their captain having arrived. But one of them, starting up in surprise, said, "'What captain? Damn me! We have no captain!' For they had reported that the captain and the remainder of the crew had separated from them at sea in another boat. This immediately led to a suspicion of their being impostors, and they were ordered to be apprehended and put into the castle. One of the men and the woman fled into the woods, but were soon taken. They confessed they were English convicts, and that they had made their escape from Botany Bay. They had been supplied with a quadrant, a compass, a chart, and some small arms and ammunition from a Dutch ship that lay there. And the expedition was conducted by the Governor's fisherman, whose time of transportation was expired. He was a good seaman and a tolerable navigator. They dragged along the coast of New South Wales, and as often as the hostile nature of the savage natives would permit, hauled their boat up at night and slept on shore. They met with several curious and interesting anecdotes in this voyage. In many places of the coast of South Wales, they found very good coal, a circumstance that was not before known. Our men were now beginning to regain their strength, and Captain Dodelberg of the Rampang Indiamen was making every possible dispatch with his ship to carry us to Batavia. During this time, the interment of Balthazar, King of Kupang, was performed with funeral pomp. The Governor, Lieutenant Governor, and all the Europeans were invited. Six months had been spent in preparation for this Fete at which an emperor and 25 kings assisted and attended in person with all their bodyguards standards and standard-bearers were present when the corpse was deposited in the sepulcher the company troops fired 3 volleys and victuals and drink were immediately served to 4000 people the dutch and the english officers were invited to a very sumptuous dinner at a table provided for the emperor and all the kings. The first toast after dinner was the dead king's health. Next they drank Minehair company's health, which was accompanied with a volley of small arms and peteros. The singularity of Minehair's company's health led us to request an explanation. When we were informed, they found it necessary to make them believe that Meinheir Company was a great and powerful king, lest they should not be inclined to pay that submission to a company of merchants. The inaugural ceremony at the installation of the young king was performed by his drinking a bumper of brandy and gunpowder stirred round with the point of a sword. After being invested with the regal dignity, he came down in state to pay his respects to the governor. As he was preceded by music and colors flying, every one turned out to see him. Amongst the rest was a captive king in chains who was employed blowing the bellows to our armorer whilst he was forging bolts and fetters for our prisoners and convicts. Here the sunshine of prosperity and the mutability of human greatness were excellently portrayed. By a policy in the Dutch in supplying petty princes with ammunition and warlike stores, feuds and dissensions are kindled amongst them, and they are kept so completely engaged in civil war that they have no time to observe the encroachment of strangers. That domestic strife serves, likewise, amply to supply the slave trade from the prisoners of both parties. They however, time since, made head against the common enemy and forced the Dutch to retire to their trenches. It is the custom in this climate to bathe morning and evening. A fine river which runs in the centre of the town is conveniently situated for that purpose, and we availed ourselves of it when our strength would permit. Nature had been profusely lavish in producing, in the neighbourhood of this place, all the varied powers of landscape that the most luxuriant fancy can suggest. But while enjoying the picturesque beauties of the scene, or sheltering in the translucent stream from the fervor of the meridian heat, you are suddenly chilled with fear from the terrific aspect of the alligator, or the crested snake, and a number of venomous reptiles with which this country abounds. There is one in particular called the cock-cock. It is the most disgusting-looking animal that creeps the ground, and its bite is mortal. It is about a foot and a half long, and seems a production between a toad and a lizard. At stated periods it makes a noise exactly like a cuckoo clock. Even the natives fly from it with the utmost horror. The alligators are daring and numerous. There are instances of their devouring men and children when bathing in the shallow part of the river above the town. The governor, Mein Herr relates a circumstance that happened to him while hunting. In crossing a shallow part of the river, his black boy was snapped up by an alligator, but the governor immediately dismounted, rescued the boy out of his mouth, and slew him. The natives of Timor are subject to a cutaneous disease during their infancy—something similar to the smallpox, but of a longer duration. It seldom terminates fatally and only seizes them once in their lives. On the 6th of October we embarked on board the Rembang Dutch Indiamen, taking with us the prisoners and convicts. Our crew became very sickly in passing the Straits of Alas. We had frequent calms and sultry weather, weather until the 12th. In passing the island of Flores, a most tremendous storm arose. In a few minutes every sail of the ship was shivered to pieces, and pumps all choked and useless, the leak gaining fast upon us, and she was diving down, with all the impetuosity imaginable, on a savage shore about seven miles under our lee. The storm was attended with the most dreadful thunder and lightning we had ever experienced. The Dutch seamen were struck with horror and went below and the ship was preserved from destruction by the manly exertions of our English Tars, whose souls seemed to catch redoubled ardor from the tempest rage. Indeed it is only in these trying moments of distress, when the abyss of destruction is yawning to receive them, that the transcendent worth of the British seamen is most conspicuous. Nor would I wish, from what I observed above, to throw any stigma on the Dutch, who I believe would fight the devil should he appear in any other shape but that of thunder and lightning. It may be remarked that the Straits of Alas are not so dangerous as those of Sapi, and are for many reasons preferable, but it is so intricate a navigation that a Dutchman bound from Timor to Batavia, after Beating about for twelve months, found himself exactly where he started from. On the twenty-first, we got through, alas, and saw three prow vessels, who were a very daring set of pirates that infest those seas. On the twenty-second, saw the islands of Kakajung and Ilk, and run through the channel between them. The next day, we saw the island of Madura. On the twenty-sixth saw the island of Java, and on the thirtieth anchored at Samarang. Immediately on our coming to anchor, we were agreeably surprised to find our tender here, which we had so long given up for lost. Never was social affection more eminently portrayed than in the meeting of these poor fellows. And from excesses of joy, and the recital of their mutual sufferings, from pestilence, famine, and shipwreck, a flood of tears filled every man's breast. They informed us, the night they parted company with us, the savages attacked them in a regular and powerful body in their canoes. And Their never having seen a European ship before, nor being able to conceive any idea of firearms, made the conflict last longer than otherwise it would. For seeing no missive weapon used of, when their companions were killed, they did not suspect anything to be the matter with them as they tumbled into the water. Our seven-barreled pieces made great havoc amongst them one fellow had agility enough to spring over the boarding-net, and was leveling a blow of his war-club at Mr. Oliver, the commanding officer, who had the good fortune to shoot him. On not finding the ship the next day, they gave up all further hopes of her, and steered for Anamooka the rendezvous Captain Edwards had appointed. Their distress for want of water, if possible, surpassed that of our own, and had so strong an effect on one of the young gentlemen, that the day following he became delirious and continued so for some months after it. They at last made the island of Tofoa near Anamuka, which they mistook for it. After trading with the natives for provisions and water, they made an attempt to take the vessel from them, which they always will to a small vessel when alone, but they were soon overpowered with the firearms. They were, however, obliged to be much on their guard afterwards at those islands which were inhabited. After much diversity of distress, and similar encounters, they at last made the reef that runs between New Guinea and New Holland, where the Pandora met her unhappy fate and after traversing from shore to shore, without finding an opening, this intrepid young seaman boldly gave it the stem and beat over the reef. The alternative was dreadful, as famine presented them on the one hand and shipwreck on the other. Soon after they passed Endeavour Straits, they fell in with a small Dutch vessel, who showed them every tenderness that the nature of their distress required. They were soon landed at a small Dutch settlement, but the Governor, having a description of the bounty pirates from our court, and their vessel being built of foreign timber, served to confirm them in their suspicions, and as no officer in the British Navy bears a commission or warrant under the rank of Lieutenant, where, by seal of office, their person or quality may be identified. They had only their bare Ipsy Dixit, to depend on. They, however, behaved to them with the greatest precaution and humanity. Although they kept a strict guard over them, nothing was withheld to render their situation agreeable, and they were sent under proper escort to this place. This st- settlement is reckoned next to Batavia, and is so lucrative that the governor is changed every five years. The present governor's name is Overstaten, A gentleman of splendid taste and unbounded hospitality, who lives in a princely style, and to the otium dignitate of the Asiatic luxury, has the happiness to join the honest hearty Dutch welcome. A regiment of the Duke of Württembergs is doing duty here, amongst whom were several men of rank and fashion, who showed us very much civility and politeness. The town is regular and beautiful, and the houses are built in a style of architecture which has given loose to the most sportive fancy. Each street is terminated with some public building, such as a great marine school for the education of young officers and seamen, and hospital for the cadet officers of the company's service, churches, the governor's palace, etc., etc. Here the utile dulci has not been neglected, and those objects of national importance are placed in the proper point of view as the just pride and ornament of a great commercial people. Such is the effect of early prejudices that, under the muzzle of the sun, a Dutchman cannot exist without snuffing the putrid exhalations from stagnant water to which they have been accustomed from their infancy. They are intersecting it so fast with canals that in a year or two this beautiful town will be completely damned. In a few days we arrived in Batavia, the Emporium of the Dutch in the East, and our first care was employed in sending to the hospital the sickly remains of our unfortunate crew. Some dead bodies floating down the canal struck our boat, which had a very disagreeable effect on the minds of our brave fellows, whose nerves were reduced to a very weak state from sickness. This was a coup de grace to a sick man on his premier entrée into the painted sepulchre, the Golgotha of the Europe, which buries the whole settlement every five years. It is not the climate I am inveighing against it is the gothic diabolical ideas of the people i indite were they only dutchmen who supplied the ravenous maw of death it would be impertinence in me to make any comment on it but when the whole globe lends its aid to supply this destructive settlement and its baneful effects arising from the lech of a dutchman has for the stagnant mud than from the climate. I hope the indulgent reader will pardon my spleen when I tell them professionally that all the mortality of that place originates from the marsh effluvia arising from their stagnant canals and pleasure grounds. The Chinese here are the Jews of the East, and as soon as they make their fortune, they go home let the amateurs of the republican system read and learn. Be not surprised when it observed, it is observed that these little men, those vile hawkers of spice and nutmegs, exact a submission that the most absolute and tyrannical monarch who has ever swayed a s- sceptre would be ashamed of. The compass of my work will not allow me to be particular, but I must instance one among many others. When an idler, or one of the Supreme Council, meets a carriage, the gentleman who meets him must alight, and make him a perfect bow in spirit, not one of Bunbury's long bows, but that bow which carries humility and submission in it, that sort of bow which every vertebrae in the English back is anacolized against. In our passage From this to the Cape, before we left Java, one of the convicts had jumped overboard in the night, and swam to the Dutch Arsenal at Hornroost. In passing Bataan, we viewed the relics of Lord Cathcart. We met nothing particular in passing the island of Sumatra, but experienced great death and sickness in going through the Straits of Sunda, and after a tedious passage arrived at the Cape of Good Hope. Here we met with many civilities from Colonel Gordon, a gentleman no less eminent for his private virtues than his extraordinary military and literary accomplishments. From his labours, all the host of voyagers and historians of that part of the globe have been purloining. But it is to be hoped the world will, at some future period, be favoured with his works unmutilated. The town is gay, and from length of habit the inhabitants partake much in the manners of Bath, and, for a short season, behave with the utmost attention and tenderness. Their dress and customs are more characteristic of the English than the Dutch. An uncommon rage for building has lately prevailed, and although they cannot boast that chastity of style in which Samarang is built, It is gaudy and calculated to please the generality of observers. Allow me to mention the singular manner in which the monkeys make their deprivations on the gardens here. They place a proper picket or advanced guard as sentinels. When a party is drawn up in a line, who hand the fruit from one to the other, and when the alarm is given by the picket guard, they all take flight, making sure by that time the booty is conveyed to a considerable distance. But should the picket be negligent in their duty and suffer the main body to be surprised, the delinquents are severely punished. The same ill-fated rage for canaling murder prevails here; they have even contrived to carry canals to the top of a mountain. The Boers or country farmers, are a species of the human race so gigantic and superior to the rest of mankind in point of size and constitution, that they may be called nondescripts. Their hospital, as to site, surpasses any in the world. It may be observed, however, that the architect, by the smallness of the windows, which only serves to exclude light and air, seems to have studied with much ingenuity to render it a cadaverous, stinking prison. After being refreshed at the Cape, we passed St. Helena, the island of Ascension, and arrived at Holland, and had there the happiness, through the interposition of divine providence, to be again landed on our native shore. THE END OF A VOYAGE ROUND THE WORLD IN HIS MAJESTY'S FRIGATE PANDORA BY GEORGE HAMILTON